Welcome back to Skeptics and Seekers. I'm one of your hosts, uh, Dale, representing the Christian or Seeker side. And uh, I'm uh, the other guy, David, representing the uh, Skeptic. Okay, so uh, we're a bit pressed for time. David has uh, some personal business to, to attend to. Uh, so we're going to get straight into, into the show today. No announcements or anything like that. Um, so, so this is a show, this is my topic. I'm, I'm uh, doing it for one of our listeners, Arthur, um, who is interested in the doctrine of creation out of nothing, or creatio ex nihilo. Um, so I wanted to do a topic about that and just sort of explore what, what does this mean, Cre- creatio ex nihilo, um, creation out of nothing. So I think that the Bible uh, teaches that this doctrine is in fact true in both uh, the book of Genesis as well as in the New Testament. Um, so I wanted to approach this uh, philosophically. What, what does it mean for God to create out of nothing? And and uh, he's basically this just means um, that he's he doesn't create out of any pre-existing materials. Um, creation was a, a an act ex nihilo through God's power. Only God existed before. Um, so there was no material cause. Um, God uh, functioned as the efficient cause um, for that. Um, so, yep, moving on. So God also sustains the universe in existence. Uh, so what does that mean? Uh, there are different views of this. Uh, some people believe that um, God uh, continuously creates. Uh, this is a view sometimes called occasionalism. Um, and I argue that that's wrong as well. Um, basically, uh, what God does is he conserves creation in existence. So it sustains or uh, the Bible uh, in Colossians or Ephesians says that God holds all things together or he consists, the universe consists with God. Um, so it's preserved throughout change, throughout time, and that sort of thing. Um, so one one point uh, to note is that when God creates, so, so creation and conserving are two different types of acts. Um, they, they stand in different relations to God. And... Um, yeah, um, yeah. I think I'll skip. I was gonna say, what does it mean for something to come into existence? But I'm, I'll, I'll leave that. That's in the blog, um, and I'll get into that in more detail in the cosmological argument. Um, but yeah, basically, the God actualizes uh, as the efficient cause. He actualizes from within himself a potentiality uh, and brings it into existence, into the exemplification relation. Um, now, another thing to put here is, uh, what's God's relationship uh, to creation in terms of time? Now, I assumed in the blog that an A theory of time is true about the universe, about creation. And given that, I said, well, does that, does that have any implications for the God's temporal nature or uh, his mode of eternality? Is he timeless or temporal? And I gave one argument based on relations. Um, so another argument for that is that uh, based on knowledge. But basically, God stands in relation, extrinsic relations to creation. Um, we depend on God for our existence as the sustainer of our existence. Um, and he, he, the Bible speaks of him as having dynamic relations with people in time on earth. 
Um, so, yeah, given that relations angle, I think it's pretty clear that God can't be timeless. He must be temporal because he's constantly coming into new relations with real relations um, with creation and with people in creation, for example. Um, the other argument that I didn't include in my blog, but it's another one, is the knowledge argument. And basically there are changing propositions, like today is uh, Saturday, December 14th. And in order for God to be omniscient, he would have to know that propositional truth. Because um, an omniscient God knows all propositional truths. So if God were timeless, it's logically impossible for him to know that truth. And therefore, there would be propositional truths that God doesn't know, and he would not be omniscient. Um, so, yeah, uh, the other, the final thing is, okay, so God as a sovereign ruler, the issue of divine providence. Um, so everybody knows Basically, there, there are mixed scriptures on this. Um, okay, six minutes. Um, there are mixed scriptures on this. So um, some verses speak about God being sovereign and owner and ruler of all things. He's the author of everything that happens. Um, there's this strong sense of sovereignty. He elects people um, to accomplish his ends and stuff like that. But on the same, to on the same side, there are countless Bible verses that talk about God repenting and things happening that aren't what he willed to have happen. Uh, he wants us all to be saved. He doesn't want um, anyone to be a, a depraved sinner and to go to hell. Um, but he, yeah, this implies he, God pleads for this to happen. Um, you know, he, he also uh, tests people or we're considered pray, morally blameworthy or praiseworthy based on our choices. So, yeah, the, the Bible has seemingly paradoxical verses. And the way we make sense of that is Molinism. Um, so I'm going to try to get this done in three minutes or less. So. Molism basically is the doctrine that God has three types of knowledge. Um, he has, uh, in the first place, natural knowledge. So that's just, that's essential to what God is. God has that whether he creates or not. And he has uh, natural knowledge of all logical uh, possibilities, strict logical possibilities, uh, what could or couldn't happen, uh, including what you know, what people can and can't do and that sort of thing in relation to salvation or whatever their their uh, choices and that. Um, then we come to God's middle knowledge, and that's where the Molinism bit comes in. It means God has middle knowledge. So God has um, knowledge of all feasible possible worlds, what people will freely choose to do or not do in any set of given circumstances, so what they would or wouldn't do. Um, and it's based on this knowledge that God chooses a world, a world to create, to actualize through his divine will. And once he does create that through his divine decree, then he gains free knowledge. So once he chooses to create this world, he then gains knowledge that this Dale and David will do a podcast on December 14th, 2019. Um, so yeah, those are the three forms of knowledge and obviously the middle knowledge part is what's important given that we have humans have free will and that sort of thing in terms of divine providence. Um, yeah, uh, perfect. Yeah, perfect. Uh, that's it. And I, I finished early. So yeah, I'll turn it over to, to David now. Okay. So I, um, 
am going to bypass my opening speech. I apologize to uh, anyone who feels like I have let them down this week. I will give you, however, instead of my opening speech, uh, a set of excuses. And so you can you can take those for uh, what you will. Uh, excuse number one, uh, a thing came up personally, and I'm just going to have to deal with it. So this podcast is going to have to, of necessity, be a little bit short today. And I wasn't expecting that uh, came up just before the podcast. So uh, uh, apologies. Uh, it's good. It's good. It actually gives me more time because I'm making up a massive miracle thing for you. Yeah. So. so so I'm not done with my excuses. Uh, oh. the, the second excuse <laughs> is the massive miracle thing. <laughs> it has simply eaten up. Uh, almost all of my spare cycles uh, this week. And so it's left me precious little time uh, to prepare for this very deeply heady topic. Um, and so uh, I'm not sorry about that because I actually care about the miracle subject quite a bit. Uh, mm-hmm. And if you uh, do not have it yet, you can download uh, my ebook for easier reading. It is simply. Uh, put in the format of an ebook so that you can read it easily on a smartphone or a tablet or a Kindle or whatever uh, you've got there. It's uh, over 6,000 words, 6,600 words. And so it'll take a little while. It's like a long chapter. Just uh, treat it like that. Uh, But I wanted it up early so that you would have time uh, to dig into it before the show. Uh, Dale does not have a similar uh, product up because he is not, uh, as far as I know, completed his post uh yep. also he has no idea how to do uh any book <laughs> I, I'm, I'm guessing so no. he, he has not submitted anything to me to put that way but if he uh does that um i will also put that in a uh, bookable format um so that that can also be downloaded uh from reason press as well uh we'll also put uh the link to the ebook uh, in the show notes today for anyone who who doesn't have it. Uh, so the third excuse uh, is I just find it hard to care about this subject as much as some other subjects as a skeptic. Um, really? Some, that yeah, it is. Because some okay. subjects, and it's, you know, it's part of the Christian bubble, uh, skeptic bubble. Uh, Christians think some things are important that skeptics simply don't. And they don't understand why... Uh, someone else wouldn't think that's so important and uh, skeptics don't understand why someone would think that is important so we you know we have our various bubbles just just, just so i know because th- this was a topic uh, number one i asked you in advance and you said you were interested let me in this, let but... me finish okay. um so in in the sense in in one sense it's a little bit like asking a skeptic what color shirt uh would god be wearing on tuesday um you can actually have a very interesting conversation about that, I'm sure. But since we don't believe in your God, <laughs> and, and probably don't believe that he wears shirts, it's just it's strictly an intellectual exercise. Um, and so, you know, ex nihilo, um, ex materia. Um, look, I don't believe in your God and I don't believe in any version of creation. I don't believe in any version of creation, so it doesn't it doesn't matter. I mean, the, what the Christian has is, well, the book says this. Well, I don't care what your book says. 
<laughs> I don't I don't actually go to the Bible for scientific insight. You know, it's it's a little bit like a, a Ken Ham saying, yeah, but the Bible says it was created in six days. I don't care, Ken Ham. <laughs> that's 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 not where I go to look for information about uh, this. And even though I guess this is turning into a little bit of an opening argument, I'll just uh, dig into one of the passages that I quoted here. It's uh, Hebrews chapter 11, uh, verse 3. It's the faith chapter. Uh, and it says, by faith, we understand that the uh, worlds were set in order at God's command so that the visible has its origin in the invisible. You know what? Take the B part of that passage out. You can end with the first two words or first, first four words. By faith, we understand. Well, screw that. I don't care. I don't understand scientific propositions by faith. That is not, in fact, uh, a reliable form of epistemology as far as I'm concerned. And that is really the entirety of, uh, of this topic as far as I'm concerned. So it, it really is hard to care about it as, as much as maybe some other topics. It just doesn't have the kind of practical application that a practicalist like me uh, requires. That said, if I've got to take on this topic, I would say ex nihilo is incoherent. Uh, I don't. I don't think it makes any sense, even philosophically. Um, I would say that it is uh, presuppositional, and therefore not not even possible to argue. I don't argue with presuppositionalists for a reason. If you want to just look at some of the classic presuppositionalists out there, uh, look up their debates, and you will understand why nobody. Uh, who is not a presuppositionist would argue with a presuppositionalist. And this is a topic that I think is inherently presuppositionalist in nature. Um, and then the third thing, if I do have to get into the theology and what the Bible says or doesn't say, I don't even think the Bible supports ex nihilo. Uh, it might, it might be consistent with ex nihilo, but it's not, it's, that's not a necessary conclusion from the biblical text. So I think the most charitable thing I can say about the biblical text is that it's underdetermined. And so for, and I, and I do think that, you know, in some places it makes more sense to have an ex materia, um, point of view. So these are, these are the three things. Ex materia, by the way, ex nihilo, you see us uh, throwing these around. Creation ex, uh, creation ex nihilo just means uh, it was made out of nothing, poof. Um, creation ex materia means that it was uh, created from existing material. Uh, so with that, um, uh, let the questioning begin. Um, okay, so so David, so your first one is it's incoherent. The second is the Bible uh, doesn't teach it. What was your third argument against against well, it again? Yeah, it, it, it's that it's uh, presuppositional. Uh, I think so, I think it's yeah, I, yeah, it's it's unfalsifiable, and also I think it's um, a thing that Christians believe because they have to believe it. Okay. It's not a okay. thing that they believe because they, they actually think that's what the text says, or rather, they actually think that's what the text says because the rest of their theology depends on it. Now, I, I want to challenge that, by the way. If you're a Christian who thinks that ex nihilo is necessary for your theology, there are plenty of Christians who do not believe in ex nihilo who are still Christians. They just have a, a you know, a slightly different version of theology, their theology that uh, makes it work. So I would say that it's not necessary, but I think that most Christians think it is. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, so I guess that's what you mean. So taking the last one first, so unfalsifiable, you mean in terms of falsifying one's faith, not in terms of we can falsify the Creatio ex nihilo is true or not. Well, no, so what I'm saying is unfalsifiable is you can't falsify what the Bible is actually saying about it. There's It's it's too underdetermined uh, to say oh, no, that the Bible is... is yeah. Yeah, so these, these things, well, so they, they kind of blend together a little bit, but there's no way to determine. Uh, and this is me being generous, because I actually think the Bible is probably more uh, on my side than yours. But I'm willing to say there's no way to, to fully determine what it means. Okay. And so you, if, if you just want to read Ex Nihilo in it, you can, and I can't make you not read it that way. Okay, so so I'll start with this. So in terms of unfalsifiable scientifically, um, creation out of nothing isn't, actually. Modern science confirms and verifies that this is probably true. So I'll just say that on a secular standpoint, right? This is what the Kalam cosmological is all about, argument is all about. Uh, the uh, the uni- this is why the vast majority of scientists, even ones that don't believe that believe the universe is e- eternal, believe that we can prove that it's more probable. Like Lawrence Krauss, I'll just believe him. He's a hardcore atheist. He's biased. He he makes money off of basically lying to people, but pretending that the universe is eternal. But yet, even him, after all of his bias, will admit, yeah, based on the evidence, the best explanation, the most. Pr- it's more probable than not that the universe began to exist. That and the universe is defined as all of space okay. and time. But and that, that doesn't—I think you are—you are vastly uh, mischaracterizing uh, the scientific position. It, the scientific position is not ex nihilo, uh, creation out of nothing. Uh, the best you can say about the scientific position is that some scientists believe that the uh, universe had a beginning. And I think that if we talk about a beginning, even then we have to be careful about what scientists mean by that. So they're not saying that there was nothing and then there was this, but that this instantiation of space-time as as we experience it today um, uh, had had a beginning of expansion. But that doesn't mean that there wasn't stuff there uh, to expand. So you're you're not, in fact characterizing it correctly by saying that scientists uh, uh, believe in uh, creation ex nihilo. That's not true. You're the one that's mixed that up. You're, you're, what you're talking about is the eternal models. That These are the ways they try to escape an absolute beginning for the universe. But one, Lawrence Krauss, even despite the fact that he doesn't believe this, admits that on the evidence... It's more probable than not that the universe, the standard Big Bang model with some tweaks, is true. And that means that's an absolute beginning of all of space and time and all of its content, contents. No, no quantum foam, nothing, nothing exists on the other side of that boundary it, on, that, on the standard Big Bang model. And that's what we're saying is the most probable given the evidence. It's actually confirmed. So I'm not going to turn this into a scientific debate, but I think you're yeah. wrong in that you, you, uh, this is an example of why you shouldn't take your science from uh, Christians uh, who are who are. I'm getting not from scientists. Lawrence Krauss. <laughs> no, you're not. You're so I. I have probably read more Lawrence Krauss than you, and you are not getting it from Lawrence Krauss. You're you're getting a very mis misreading of Lawrence Krauss 
Um, and it's, it's just not what Lawrence Krauss is saying. Um, that said, I don't, I don't even think that this is where this particular debate has to live. Um, so I, uh, I will leave it to the audience to do your science homework. Um, Yeah, fair enough. And this isn't a science thing, but I just wanted to say, um, so, so I am, I am right about Krauss and I've spoken to him personally, but forget, forget about that. Okay. We, we disagree on what Lawrence Krauss is saying. And I admit you're right. Lawrence Krauss believes in an eternal cosmology. He, he doesn't believe in the standard big bang thing. Um, so I, Yes, you're right on that. But he does think the. I was just quoting him about. He says on the evidence alone, without having a biased worldview, overriding worldview, or something like that, it's more probable. But the the, the point big, here, the Big Bang doesn't doesn't speak to ex uh, creation ex nihilo, or ex materia though. The Big Bang doesn't uh, doesn't even address that issue. It, it does. Uh, it, it does it not. Away ex materia. There's no material without space and time and all of its contents. Right? Ma- material includes energy and matter. There, that is doesn't. There's that no. There's what theory of the Big Bang are you are you referring to that regresses the um, first moment to no matter? So. I, I know of theories that regress the first moment that we can calculate to extremely compressed matter. Uh, so, but I haven't seen any models that say no matter and then some matter. No matter and then some. Well, that's yeah, what the that's, standard that would Big Bang model says. Well, no, it doesn't. But, yeah, uh, it does. It. it, it, I, yes, do, it does I do understand bang as in. Uh, rapid expansion but for rapid expansion to happen there has to be something to rapidly expand right. that's the so bang the bang the stand, is not the boom bang there was nothing and then there right? was something the stand and the, the the standard big bang model again one of the tweaks with it is this this includes with the alan guth and flank and theory it includes the multiverse so when i'm saying universe that can include the multiverse all of space and time and its contents reduced down like a cone reduced to that point that's the boundary point um at that point that below that point there is no matter so you can't have x materia to to pop into existence and then ex, and then inflationary expand and then expand uh, at a less at a so once again I, I can i can say this is this is not going to be a science podcast i'm gonna let it but i will yeah. i will say that as far as christians making science claims so we uh on the still unbelievable uh response book team uh had uh, skydive phil uh as one of our writers yeah. uh who questioned very, very i want to say who questioned Valinkin uh on this point yeah. because yeah. this is this is a thing that um that uh, Justin Brierley was saying in his book, and he was quoting the non-scientist William Lane Craig, uh, mm-hmm. who was misquoting Vilenkin, <laughs> and and we asked, and Vilenkin said, "No, that's that's not right." And in fact, uh, Vilenkin has told uh, Craig this. Craig knows yes, that, but he yes. still continues to repeat uh, the the false assertion. And you know, I'm not going to say that Craig is being disingenuous, but Craig knows that. We, that what he's saying about Vilenkin's theory is not Vilenkin's theory, um, and so yeah. there's so, there's so a lot of science here to to sort out. And I I suggest that you should not only not take your science 
from the Bible, you should probably not take it from a couple of idiots like us. Well, I, I know what I'm talking about here. And as for, okay, so I'm, I'm not here to defend William Lee Craig. That entire email exchange and conversation between William Lee Craig and Vilenkin, his exact words, is available on the Reason, Reasonable Faith website. So if you check that, I think it's in the Q&A section. So you can check that out and read for your own self. Don't just listen to me or David. But yes, I, I get what David's saying, but it's not true that William Lee Craig has misrepresented him. But the, the point David's argument is, I'm saying he says it's unfalsifiable, and I'm saying, pretend pretend I'm wrong. Let's pretend David's entirely right, and ex materia can be true or something. Let's just, I'll just concede that for the sake of argument. It's it's still falsifiable in a scientific way. We can we can adjudicate. Let's let's pretend one of these eternal cosmology models is true. Okay, well that would falsify. Creatio ex nihilo, then, um, because we have e- eternal matter, um, and the universe comes out of the the quantum foam. Uh, that's the boundary, uh, as opposed to the point of a cone or something like that. So, so yeah, that that's my point is that it's it is falsifiable, on a secular end. Um, now, your 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 first. I don't, I don't think it's falsifiable yet. So it it may be theoretically at at some point one day, but the fact is the only true answer is we don't know uh, about the first moment of, uh, I will will use this secularly, creation. And and pretending that you do is just taking, taking, stating the case too too far. You you don't. We don't. Okay. 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 Um, Yeah. Okay, so I'll let you have the last word on that one. Um, incoherent. Um, so, what what is it about it that's incoherent for you? Like, you do you understand uh, you understand what a material cause is, obviously, right? Um, and do you understand what an efficient what it means to be an efficient cause? Uh, you know, I've uh, I'm I'm gonna say no. Um... This is this is one of those things that confuses me. Okay, so so an efficient cause it, it just means um, it's the primary source um, of the the change or or that sort of thing. So you know, sort of like the artisan is the efficient cause of a bronze statue that they make, um, and the material cause would be the the bronze of the statue, the, the stuff of which it's made. Um. Okay. Makes does that make sense? Pretty, pretty straightforward, right? Like, um, I suppose I wouldn't. I would never say the bronze is a cause of a statue. The, the bronze is just the material, um, but it's not a it's not a cause in any way. Well, it, yeah, it, it is. I guess I mean, uh, if you, if there's no in in the case of a statue. You can have all the bronze you want to in the world sitting around. It's it's not going to form itself into that specific statue. So yeah, it, it, it's, it's it, not. It, a complete, it, so in that sense, it's not a cause. Well, it's it's not a, a complete cause. Like none of them are complete. With without the bronze, an artist won't be able to create the statue either, right? So like the these are just different aspects um, okay. of causes well, that are. I, I guess I. I guess I don't. This is why it confuses me. I don't. I don't know why we're using the word cause in in these ways. I understand that uh, philosophers, certain types of philosophers, do use this, <laughs> um, but I. Yeah. I don't. I don't find it um, 
particularly useful. Well, it's, it's just the it's just terminology, though. Like, I think you're arguing semantics. You, you well, uh, look, and the, I, I will, I I will grant that it. it may be terminology. I mean, just uh, uh, jargon, if you will. I, mm-hmm. I think it's somewhat unnecessary and confusing. Uh, but okay. God, God, yeah. So, so put it this way: For, forget about these outdated Aristotle. Maybe you don't like Aristotle's terms and stuff like that. Uh, whatever. But the point is, um, we we understand what it means to for something to be made out of material. Yes. Um, okay. Uh, and we understand that um, substances, or in this case, God as an agent, uh, is what provides the efficient means for the universe to come into being, just like the artist who shapes the bronze into a statue, that the potentiality exists within the artist. Um, and we're saying that it's the same with God, the, the potentiality for the universe uh, becomes actualized through the agent, through God. Okay, so uh, if I understand all. your uh, argument for ex nihilo, it's you have a potential cause without a material cause. Correct. Yeah, there's no pre-existing material that exists. Well, I find that I, incoherent. So why why would a material cause be necessary? Um, because in order it's for- material. The the statue is material. So if if I want to create a statue out of bronze, I need bronze. And if God wants to create a universe out of matter and energy, He needs matter and energy. You, you haven't given me any reason why I should, uh, you know, plead special for God that he doesn't need matter and energy to make a matter and energy universe. See, that's an assumption of skeptics. That's uh, material. It's called a materialist causal principle. And that's a totally unproven and not true. I, I mean, okay, it's, well, you it, use the, I'm sorry, you use the analogy. So tell me as a sculptor how I'm going to create a bronze statue without any bronze. Well, in that example, you do need a material cause, okay. but it's not well, a. I'm sorry, then I don't understand your example. Then I don't, I don't, I don't know what you're getting. What, at. what you need is the potential, the ability, the potential, and the ability to actualize that potential. God yeah. has that within okay. him. I don't it doesn't understand. need to be physical or material. We all have the potential within us. I have the potential to fly, but I need an airplane. I have the potential to breathe, but I need air. Um, so saying that God has the potential without material doesn't – that's incoherent. Well, you, no, it's coherent. You, you just gave an example. You are the efficient cause of you going – of you flying on an airplane. You have the potential and the ability well, I'm to – I'm just trying to forces. use your, the, your terminology that, 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 I'm, that I'm learning from you today <laughs> that I don't like. Um, so maybe if I'm using it wrong, you can let me know if I'm using it wrong. No, you're uh, using your right. Okay, but you that's just what I thought. That so my efficient cause is I want to fly. But I cannot fly without the material cause of the airplane. But you're saying that God can do it without the material cause. And I'm just trying to I, I'm trying to figure out in what other circumstances can we skip the material cause and it be coherent. And if there is no other circumstance and you say, but God can, then it, that sounds like special pleading. So obviously, so there's a strong inductive, enumerative inductive argument because pretty much everything we can think of in creation has material cause, right? Because the universe is material, it's physical and and physical substances and that sort of thing cause things. But 
there are obviously the standard Big Bang model is an example of creatio ex nihilo. Even forget about God and all that. The standard Big Bang model is coherent. Even people that don't believe it's true, pretend it's false. Um, it's still coherent. And scientists understand the mathematics of that coherent idea. So, so it is possible for there to be a cause uh, without it entailing a material cause. Um, obviously, I would also point to like free will or something like that. But you don't believe in a soul producing physical effects. But those are the only examples in creation that we could, or involving creation that we can go to, is the the beginning of creation. Um, and or the soul providing, uh, standing in causal relations with the physical body or something like that. So, again, right. that's obviously that's I don't believe function. it. But once again, I'm I'm still trying to get you to give me one coherently structured statement of how one's will then uh, leads to an outcome that involves material without the material how one's will does yeah how the the efficient cause gets to a material thing without a material cause i'm just that's basically this is just a fancier way of saying something from nothing well yeah you're getting into the interaction problem right the mechanistic of how the how a mechanism, spiritual mechanism matters here because something mm, no, it is doesn't. well but something is stuff and nothing is no stuff and if you're going to tell me that the something definitely came from the nothing you've oh. got to give me some kind of mechanism for that and if you're telling me that god started with nothing except his desire for a thing desire is not the same as material Okay, well, let, let's say this. So this is – here's something. Thoughts. I I am the efficient cause. There's no material. Thoughts aren't material. They're not physical. But I cause thoughts to exist all the time just by thinking them in my head. Um, there we go. I'm just thinking about 1 plus 1 equals 2. So now that thought exists. Um, it's non-physical, and I just caused that to exist. That had certain physical effects on my brain um, and stuff like that. So – I would say that your brain is the physical cause of it. And if we took away your brain, uh, we would take away that thought and the memory of that thought. But that's neither here nor there. I don't want to take away your brain. Um, are you? Yeah, but your thoughts are not identical to the physical states. Again, uh, kind of and- a science uh, metaphysical question that I don't necessarily want to get into on this podcast. I I would say that if you want to equate uh, this universe to God's thoughts and say that it is uh, a a figment of God's imagination, then fine, I can go with that. It's perfectly coherent. But I would just say that this universe is not then made out of matter. It's just thoughts. Yeah, So that and that's what idealists or people like Tarot would say, right? But I I'm but just you're not an that's idealist. That's true. That's correct. Right. Yeah, and neither am I. So that's that the only spirit... way that what you're saying can make sense to me. No, that, yeah, but that's that's not true. Things undergo substantive changes and that sort of thing. You're just assuming that a mater- only a material cause can produce a material effect. 
that's just an assumption. You can't prove that true at all, and it's not coherent. We we actually have scientific okay. proof. I'm Again, I'm not trying to get into it. Okay, and, uh, and, I, and I disagree. And I disagree with the things that you're calling scientific proof. So we can't actually make any headway on that. But and, okay, so I know that you disagree with the standard Big Bang model that I gave. But it, is that coherent? Are you I saying I, that's I think just I disagree with your interpretation of the standard Big Bang model. I would also, if I wanted to get into the science discussion, say you disagree. Uh, with the special theory of, uh, theory of relativity, you would deny that, um, but I would say that you don't understand the implications of it if you, um, uh, you know, with your A theory of time. We're we're not actually going to be talking about uh, the right. A theory I'm, versus I'm B theory of time either, uh, but we can both make claims that the other simply doesn't understand the science. We are both probably at least half right. <laughs> so yeah, no, I don't <laughs> forget it. again. Pretend you were right and I'm I'm wrong, but the, you would say the standard Big Bang model um, uh, is coherent, though, right? Even if it's false, it it these scientists that in made it up and stuff like that is it's not just it's not incoherent this model yeah i would so i would that, say that my understanding of the standard big bang model uh has no bearing on the question of uh the original material uh state of things so um once again this might be a a hermeneutical question on uh, how we interpret the standard model and again i don't want to uh, I don't want to go yeah. there. <laughs> okay, well, um, because we can't, we cannot, we can't, we can't negotiate this issue unless we've got uh, you know one or two or three scientists on a panel uh, helping us navigate through it. Um, so I'm just there's there's only so far that I'm willing to go. In fact, just uh, yeah, I'm not I'm not trying to push I'm not trying to push it here. I, I was just trying to make a okay. Well, I'll leave it at that. Just well, just, just yeah. so you know, reader, if you've read the book, still unbelievable. Uh, I was on the, I, I was one of the people uh, who not just wrote it, but I was the one of the leads on that uh, project. I actually didn't want to address any of Justin's science claims because Justin is not a scientist. He clearly uh, can only quote other people who themselves are not scientists, uh, and I thought that most of his his science assertions were were kind of silly, and that we did not need to uh, step into the science arena to refute that. However, it was determined that Justin did bring it up, and uh, if he's making some false statements about science, we should get some credible uh, people involved. Uh, to address it, but uh, left to myself, I would have never addressed it, and I, I feel the same way about the subject on this podcast. There's only so much that I am willing to address. It's not that I have read any science or I'm unfamiliar with science. Um, it's just that I don't want anything that I say to be taken as scientifically authoritative, uh, and so in that realm, I just ask everyone to do their own homework. Yeah, but so I'm, I'm not... Tr I'm not trying to trap you or, or get you wrapped up in this, the science discussion. I, I was just using, because you asked me for an example of a material effect coming about without a material cause. And there are only a handful of examples I can, I can point to because m most of everything in the universe is already physical and is caused through material or physical things. So, so the best way, I, I know that you're obviously going to deny the existence of a soul and, and libertarian free will and all that stuff. So that's why check I... Check and check. The, 
Yeah. So, so the best thing to get to you is, is by appealing to the standard Big Bang model, which is a part of mainstream scientific, uh, um, the mainstream science. Um, even, even the atheists, even the ones that Skydive Phil interviewed, which I, I checked out his videos for my cosmological argument. I, I have looked into what the scientists say and that sort of thing um, for that for the for that show, and I will be quoting them and that sort of thing. So excellent, Skydive Phil's source is good. Check it out. Check out his sources and videos. Also check out William Lane Craig. Also check out the other scientists that back up William Lane Craig's thing. It's not it's not just philosophers that believe this, but. The, the point I was getting to is is it's coherent. This is a coherent model. Forget about God. God doesn't exist. Secular scientists can say, yeah, it's coherent for a material effect to come into being or to come into existence without um, a material cause. Okay, so and, whatever and this is the best way to get there. Whatever you're thinking of uh, as your definition of nothing here uh, and and coming into being. Uh, we, this is a good, yeah. You know, we know that we can have some variation on on these things. Again, something I don't plan to get into. Um, but oh, okay. whatever, whatever your definition of it is, and if you're saying, well, but we can see it in the natural world, then I would just say, okay, then we don't really need God as an explanation. Um, so you can keep the ex nihilo part and get rid of the creation part. Um, because the creation part you speaks, can separate them. Yeah, right? I mean, the, so I, w- I would just say that if you want to go that route, uh, most Christians do not want to go that route. But if you want to go that route, uh, you've just eliminated your need for God. Well, so so no, because uh, and, and again, there there are other aspects of the blog. So we're pressed for time. So this will be my last thing on this one. Um, so um, that's that's not the case um sorry say, say what you just said again the last right sentence. so if you're going to say uh ex nihilo that mm-hmm. something can come from nothing which by the way most christians are shouting no something can't come from nothing you can't give them that right <laughs> it, you know if so if you want to say that great don't need your god uh the, gotcha. the universe can self uh um assemble yeah. without god if you say no it needs God, then you're not actually talking about some kind of ex nihilo process at all. You're saying that God is a effective cause for a material end, and therefore this formula requires a material cause. I don't... So, 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 so yeah, that, that's the principle that the Kalam cosmological operates on. Ex nihilo nihil fit. Uh, out of nothing, nothing comes. And, and this is absolutely right. This is why atheists are absolutely lunatic to, to take the ex nihilo route and why they're desperate to come up with some kind of eternal material out of which the universe comes. Um, but as David just pointed out, that's not the case with Christians. We've got, we've got God, a causal agent with causal powers, potentiality, and the ability to actualize those potentials. So yeah, but God there is, is no, no more causal power it's, than we are when it comes to creating matter. So, so let me um, keep going because remember we, we haven't even dealt with the providence no, or the conservation stuff. So, so yeah, and we, it's almost we still at. got a good twenty minutes. Let's let's do it. Okay, so so I'll just say it's not a violation of that that fundamental principle. And I'll just say it Christ, is Christian, <laughs> but we we have a, a 
causative agent, right? Uh, atheists don't. They, nothing isn't a kind of substance. So there is only God, right? Not nothing is is. I'm no sorry. Thing. A magician does not is not a cause for the rabbit uh, appearing in a hat. The the magician is uh, window dressing. To to suggest that somehow at least we have a magician, you simply fail to understand uh, the failure well, of your argument. Um, let, let me. So no, I I, I got to get here, right? So so, in terms of material, that's obviously referring to physical. That's that's what creatio ex materia is, pre-existing physical material, and that's the rejection that Christians get. But if you want to say God's spiritual substance is the material, because there, there is no, there isn't like God and then nothing, as though they're external things. There's only God. Nothing is no thing. So there's only God. So creation, that's why I said I can understand people who believe in Coratio ex Deo, out, out of God, his substance and his ability to potentialize. Um, right. and, and, and by the way, just so you know, I, I don't deal with Coratio ex Deo because it is just Coratio ex Materia to me. You're just talking about God's material. So but, I, don't, but, I don't care what kind of material it is. No, but okay, but the material cause refers to a particular type of material. Spiritual substance doesn't count as material traditionally. If if you want to have your own definition where it expands and includes that, then potentially I can do that. Yeah, Another model I, I is would, to deny that God spiritual and, substance would be like energy to me. To, um, you know, so matter, energy, conversion. To, if you want to say that God peeled off a piece of his dead skin and created the universe, I would go with you on that. I would say that right. that's so, so that's so that's a possible thing. It, the the main thing here is it's God's got to cut. It's got to be extrin intrinsic, and then it's like he cuts. So he gets like a growth, and then he cuts the tie, and it, now creation is external to God. There's God, and there's creation. Yep. Um. So so that's a plausible model. An, another model well, is which I have no less, no problem with uh, philosophically. Gotcha. Another model is the issue of, I gave the issue of thought. So this is sort of idealist, but uh, you can tweak it to God's thoughts become tangible or something like that. Uh, so this would be a divine conceptualist model. Um, another way that the Bible authors would have done it, God creation is like God's breath. When he speaks creation into univ into existence, those those words become concrete and physical in, in some way. Believe it or not, I have no problem with that either. That's just creation ex deo, which is just creation ex materia. Creation out of God. Yes. Um, but there's no... But it's still so, material. You're saying God's breath. No, but it's, breath is it's, material. That's not cre creatio ex materia. You're changing... The traditional ex materia means physical substance. I don't God care about the traditions. I, I'm, I, so I understand that this is not a traditional view. That's why ex, uh, mm. Deo exists. I'm just saying it's unnecessary. If you, if God is the kind of substance that can have breath, some kind of emanation from him, uh, whatever that emanation is. Um, and that makes sense to you. Yeah. Yes. That's, that's something. That's not nothing. Yeah. So, so, so in that case, that that's where I said I, I can get on board with the creatio ex deo um, account as long as the the problem with the deo is it leads to pantheism. So you got to make sure you it's it's become, okay. once it's created exactly. once it's concretized it's external to God. It's it's separate or independent um, of 
of God. It's, it's not a part of God or something. And, and this, what I wrote in my blog is this is a perfectly uh, good and acceptable explanation if you are looking for a coherent explanation. Christians have to deny it uh, because they have some presuppositions that pandeism can't be true. Yeah, but uh, it's still coherent to deny pantheism. You just need to ch- cut the cut the tie, and then it's no longer a, a part of God. So once the breath goes out, if you want to say the breath, for example, I, I, I like that better than your mucus example. But uh, <laughs> it's 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 separated from God. It is an ex- God's it's flatulence. I mean, that's to, to that's God. The universe. <laughs> um, yeah. So so you admit that is coherent. Yep. So. Uh, yeah, that that's just sort of like my I, breath might be creating many universes with every word I speak right now. Yeah, except it's not because you don't have the potentiality nor the causal ability how to. How do you know that. how universes are made? In, in, in some in some in some quantum uh, realm, my breath might be creating universes that, from the point of view of the intelligent people in it, well, has lasted for billions of years. Well, here's why I know that's BS. Let the there Bible be tra- light. Because the Bible tells me so. No, no human being can butt off. I don't care what the Bible says. No, but this is your second objection, right? The the Bible. This is your um, your third and last objection is that the Bible doesn't teach it, and it it does. It teaches only God bara or creates in the ancient Hebrew. This is unique to God. Human beings don't do that. They can do creatio ex materia in terms of forming. Um, I forget the Hebrew word, yeish, you think, or something. Um, they can form uh, certain things or okay, make so let's, let's get into uh, that a little bit with, of, the, with the 15 minutes we got here. I, I, look, I just want to redeem as much of the time with interesting topics as possible. I expect these things to be taken up uh, on the board, and I will have actually more time to write as I travel than I will to sit here and talk. Um, gotcha. Well, so, can, can I just make one last point on this, and then we can move on to conservation or providence, whatever you want to do? Uh, yeah, because I actually want to talk about this point uh, that you're oh. making right now. The, oh, I the thought, whole, okay. Yeah, no, no, no. I'm not, I don't want to move on from it. Um, the idea that only God can uh, do original creation uh, I, is not, in fact, uh, in an ancient view. I mean, that is an ancient view, but it's not the only ancient view. And throughout uh, biblical times, you know, there was this debate. And I I actually think that uh, the current view of creation ex nihilo is the later view, not the earlier view. Um, And so in the original Genesis story, uh, we do have things like uh, the deep, which uh, the ancient people thought of as a bad thing. Uh, That's, you know, and we have chaos uh, in, in the void, these are not these are not things that you speak of when you speak about God's work. Uh, God's work is to bring order to these things. So it's like it's it's almost as if the creation story is saying God is in His realm and He uh, came to this other realm that was whacked and He unwhacked it. Um, so that's that's I, I think a very popular way that these passages were viewed by ancient people, some ancient people, uh, all the way up through to this day. And I don't think there's anything in the passage, uh, and yeah, I've looked at the Hebrew words and Greek words and so forth. I don't think there's anything in there that requires you to think uh, that this material was made by God. I think it it actually makes more sense to say it was ordered, um, it, it was 
in a unordered state and God ordered it. And that's that's what we see with things like creation and made. That's not to say that God couldn't have made the uh, material and then, you know, maybe someone came along, maybe there was a, a whole creation of humanity that uh, sent it to hell in a handbasket and God came and recreated it. But then that really wouldn't be a good way of saying in the beginning. So we get a sense that this beginning uh, may be the beginning of our time period, but maybe from existing material that was not necessarily God's. He, he brought order out of chaos. So, okay, so I'll, I'll respond to that. So, so that's, so it's it's true in the ancient Near Eastern world there were these concepts, but they, it's not true. I would say that this is what the Bible, uh, or certainly the book of the author of the book of Genesis had in mind. So, in the first place, entirely I quoted Klaus Westermann, and entirely unique in the ancient Near Eastern world. Verse one doesn't exist in in the Egyptian myths, the Babylonian myths. And anywhere in the ancient Near East, this this clause, the the Hebrew idiom, heavens and the earth, meaning all of creation, all of the universe, they, they didn't have one word to express that. So that's what heavens and the earth refers to, um, is comes into being with this first verse, uh, is bara or created. That's uh, entirely unique in the ancient Near East. And in terms of the waters, water represents chaos. Again, that, that's true in e- Egyptian creation myths and in uh, Babylonian, um, in the Persian Gulf, you know, the Babylonian myths. The Hebrews are entirely different. They do not mean chaos. So in the Egyptian myths and Babylonian myths, you get the, the waters are sort of an amorphous, unbounded reality uh, with total, and that represents total anarchy, total chaos, out of which God's a main god comes and then pr- produces order through some kind of sexual act or something like that. Um, the Bible doesn't speak like that, actually. Yeah, but, wait, but it still gives us this, words like waters are darkness and I'll, void I'll and formless. Let, let me say this. The, yeah, this I, is, I just want you to include this in your in your explanation. We, we have also darkness and formlessness and... No. Uh, yes, it's true. So it's it's not. So, so let me tell you what what the ancient, what biblical scholars um, say about this text is that look the the Bible the waters in the Bible are bounded first of all they exist on the earth and they're separated there's order because there are there's air and winds and stuff like that so the model that they have um, Hebrews were very internal people or whatever but. Some scholars say that at the time of the making of this uh, creation, quote unquote, myth or creation account, they're envisioning total blackness out on the sea of the Mediterranean, where you're just on the ocean, an ordered state, the Mediterranean Sea, but there's no stars in the sky that's totally black. Uh, and this is a, an account. Uh, this is something that we they experienced when they would travel on the sea at times. There's there's no light in the sky. So this is what they're actually referring to: an ordered earth, in, out in the sea, no land, nothing like that, no stars, no lights in the heavens or anything like that. Just total blackness. And there's wind going. You know, wind is blowing and stuff like that. So it's it's actually an ordered state. It's nothing like the state of chaos that the Egyptians have with this amorphous, unbounded. Uh, total anarchy. There, there's no ordered differentiations or states and stuff like that. So, so I would just beg to differ on your interpretation of what Genesis is saying there. Well, and then you've got the earth that's full of water, and there's some dry land in there, but it's like a water sandwich with land 
um, being the meat. And God separates the waters from above from the waters from below. Um, and so now we get to the dry land and then he puts the hard dome there. And then he's look, there's, this is not the world that Genesis, the writer of Genesis one created was not an ordered, uh, world that just needed a little bit of, uh, dusting. It, it was, it was an unformed mess that God had to, uh, you know, do some massive rearranging to, to make habitable. Yeah. That, that's just not, that's there. Are, I gotta say, so many biblical scholars side with David and because of the contextual background of the ancient Near East, that where the Egyptian and Babylonian myths do teach this, but I'm saying that new biblical scholarship that don't just sort of assume this parallel mania are actually saying no, that the Hebrew account is radically different. And they're envisioning this night on the Mediterranean Sea, this this dark black sky and that sort of thing out on a Mediterranean Sea on an ordered earth. It's a bounded sea or waters. It, it's not totally unbounded like the primeval ocean uh, of the Egyptians or something like that. So, what, what shape was the Earth in this writer's imagination? So the the first chapter in Genesis doesn't tell us it the does. shape. It says it was formless. Well, you're talking about the the Earth, not in terms of the planet, but the the dry land and stuff like that, which came, which God then brought about. It said the uh, world was formless and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep. Yeah, it's it's talking about like the dry land was formless and that sort of thing. It, it's not talking about a planet. There are differentiations. Does the Bible say, look, the surface, the the Holy Spirit was on the surface of the waters and the wind was blowing and stuff like that. It's um, There are differentiations of an ordered state. It's not just total chaos like the Egyptians or Babylonians have. Yeah, it says, so God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was uh, over the surface of the deep which I assume is the waters and the spirit of God um, was hovering over the waters. I mean, that's, this is the very first verse and it's a description of what the author thought about the earth. And that doesn't sound anything like a mostly well-ordered planet, uh, a nice lazy sail on the Mediterranean. That is, that's not that. Okay, uh, so it's 10 o'clock. So, yeah, uh, I'll let you have the last word. I've given sources. You can check out the scholarship for yourself on that. Um, that's, put it this way, that that's up for debate. And it's um, more recent scholarship is not just taking this lazy approach of just assuming it's cop. The, the Bible is copied. The Hebrews were copying Egyptian creation myths where there's an unbounded uh, prime, primeval See that represents chaos. I don't or know something. where you get this accusation from. When I was a Christian, I never once considered the Egyptian uh, myths. I only read the Bible as if it were the only book, and that's still the impression I got from it. I don't need the Egyptian myths for that. I, well, I just well, read this, the words. Well, this idea of chaos and stuff—you didn't get that from the words of Genesis. You're getting this well, from skeptic. From I've, the, I've actually book. read my Bible. I've read the whole thing a few times, and you do get it from the Bible. 
You, abs- you absolutely do get the, the fact that they were afraid of the waters and that, uh, you know, some of their worst uh, demon gods were water uh, gods. And, you know, drowning was a big deal uh, back in those days. Uh, but no, water water was for them a symbol of chaos. This wasn't just a, an Egyptian myth. You don't have to, you don't have to go there. What gods? The Hebrews believed in water gods? I, I'm not... The I don't Hebrews even... believed in all kinds of gods. But the, the idea that, uh, you know, they're... they're um, you know, for instance, uh, Leviathan was was not Leviathan uh, like a, a, a sea creature. Yeah, that's not a god, though. Uh, oh, okay. Um, okay. <laughs> I think, okay. I think we right. could I think we could debate maybe uh, Hebrew mythology a little bit. All my point is, whatever you think about it, you don't have to reach to the Egyptians to get there. I didn't get any of this from Egyptian mythology. Okay, uh, and, cool. and you, so, you so, seem yeah, to be I, accusing me of saying that you know we only well, get that, this you know if you if you pull it from Hebrew, uh, sorry, Egyptian mythology, and that's just not the case. And, and Babylonian. Um, so, so yeah, that is where the scholars get it in terms of the arguments you're making. That doesn't come from just reading Genesis. Uh, I, I don't believe you that you you just read the Bible and came to these opinions. Um, you you are being influenced by. Scholarship. Um, okay. Well, then uh, maybe the biblical writers were influenced by the Egyptians and the Babylonians, but you don't have to go outside of the Bible to get these impressions. I I, I think you do. The the this notion of water as chaos it doesn't come from the Bible directly. It it requires some external knowledge of the surrounding con- socio-historical context, and that's where scholars usually get it. They they assume that there is this influence from the dominant cultures onto the the lesser dominant we just, we just the, disagree the I, I can't tell you how many sermons of, of, of scholarly Christians who were not citing um, you know Hebrew and Babylonian myths about just things like the uh, the calming of the seas miracles uh, by Jesus uh, and how the, the seas would have been a thing for those people that would have been a a scary, almost intangible, monstrous type thing that couldn't be controlled. And one of the reasons that the, the miracle of Jesus calming the seas was such a big deal uh, is because it was it was like Jesus taming uh, an almost demonic element uh, that could just eat people alive. The seas are angry. It, it requires a god to calm it. Yeah, that's reading something into. So, so that's reading something. In. Even with there's wind, there's order. The seas where Jesus uh, calmed the Galilean Sea was an ordered state of creation. So yeah, thank you. You just proved my point. Uh, interpreting the Bible as this literal sea on the earth and um, you know a dark sky and stuff like that. So that's great. That that's an ordered state. So if that's represents the creation thing, I agree. I, my head. I missed it. Uh, so that's well, fine. Well, it's ten- yeah. So is there any other, to- I'll, I'll let you have the last word on, on this issue. Again, I've given sources, detailed scholarly sources. You can learn the names and see uh, the recent trends in scholarship and that to, to see who's right. And, and David still represents a, a significant um, portion of biblical scholarship, his his what he's saying doesn't 
deserve to be dismissed. It, yeah, it's pl- definitely plausible. So look look at both sides and, and try to figure out yourself. I know. Um, but are there any other topics like uh, Providence or something like that that you? Because I know you got to go. At, what time do you have to go? Ten twenty? Yeah, I've I've got I've got a very short amount of time right now, but. Um... Why don't you take uh, five minutes on Providence? Uh, because that seems to be important to you. Yeah, well, I, f- I figured it would be um, okay. So, so you're good conservation, um, God's relationship to a temporal universe. We don't need to get into your yeah, good. I, th- I think that's. I think that's just too much for this particular show. Uh, we can we can what? maybe talk okay. about it in the in the. The time it's, thing, uh, right? It's it's time, oh. and also I, I know what? that you're going to be doing other uh, solo shows and some of this stuff. So, one question, one question though, just before I move on, pretend an a theory of time is true for creation. Um, do you think that that would would you agree with me that that implies that God must be temporal as well, or um, do you think God can be timeless and the creation temporal? Uh, okay. Uh, let me navigate this carefully. I think the only way that God could be timeless is with the B theory of time. I agree. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I agree. Um, so I, I think that's, I think that's all I dare say on that. So I, I actually think the B theory of time would be the Christian's best friend. Um, and I'm not entirely sure why they reject it out of hand. Okay. But yeah, well, you'll, you'll find out. Okay. Um, yeah. So I, I guess I'll just, and to be fair to the other side, me and David agree. There are other people, Brian Lefto, uh, or Eleanor Stump and that sort of thing. Uh, Thomas Aquinas, they, um, there are different strategies to try and deny people recognize this relational problem that I brought up and there are strategies. So, um, you know, um, what's it called? Simultaneous, eternal, simultaneous relations. Uh, or Thomas Aquinas just denies that there are any real relations or something like that. So there are strategies that you can look up uh, from people like Brian Leftow or Eleanor Stump. I think they ultimately fail. Um, so that's why I, I don't um, see that. It, there's got they got to be matched. If an A theory of time is true, then God is temporal. Um, if a B theory of time is true, then God is timeless, uh, since we're timeless. Yeah. Um, but but yeah. I, I think that we can get into. Any, if I had more time, I would I would love to take thirty minutes to argue uh, middle knowledge being incompatible with an A theory of time. So, um, okay. I, yeah. So I don't. I I think the A theory of time is bad for God on lots of fronts. Um, so, yeah, I would just say that if God knows the future, then in some way the future has already happened. That's a B theory of time. Um, that's the only way he could know it. Um, okay. And so well, on an A theory of time, if he knows the future, then some, there's some kind of cheat going on. <laughs> it's because the future hasn't happened. And since we have free will, we can do any damn thing we want to. And God can't know it. Uh, so... Once again, if he knows it and can plan for it, then it has happened and he has seen it. And you're talking about a B theory of time, period. 
Yeah, so so that's your mistake. I, I do bring this up, right? Like it, you're assuming the only way God could know some, come to know something is as though he's like a some kind of sports spectator and he has to observe and see with his own eyes, so to speak. Well, but I don't happens. care if he observes it or sees it. If he knows it to be true, then it is true. It, I mean, the future is the future, whether you're looking at a slice of it or not. If, if God, in his Molinistic knowledge knows that I am going to eat a slice of pizza today for lunch. Um, there's not a damn thing I can do to change that. I am yeah, going to eat a slice of pizza today for lunch. That so piece he, of time is set in stone. That is the B theory of time. But it, but it's so no, it's not. So you're talking about free knowledge, not middle knowledge, because middle knowledge comes before he creates in the first place, right? He he just knows, and this incorporates your free will. So he knows what in advance you will choose to do or not to do. Um, that doesn't determine, and that's the problematic aspect: what you will or will not do. God's knowledge of what you will do is determined by your choice. So God is okay. But just throwing choice in there is just another element, uh, and I don't, I don't really think what? of that as much of an element. So that's just another element in the pudding here. But God knows what it is, and it's still set in stone. So I don't, I don't actually care whether you say I had choice or not. The fact is, once you it's, say God knows it, it is set in stone. Right. It's set in stone at the level of free knowledge. Right. His free knowledge. Once he chooses, decree makes his decree and chooses. To what world to create, what possible world to create, or what feasible world to create, then it's 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 going to go exactly the way he knows it it will. Um, that again, that doesn't you still have free free will is part and parcel of this entire package. So it's not it. a problem. It's not a problem for me. I can't change uh, it. So it's still be theory. So I mean, just saying the words free will and you have free will doesn't matter. I've got free will in the B theory too. No, but it's it's not B theory because B theory is that the entire time stream exists. It right? does, and, right? No, but it, an A theory of time, which we're assuming to be true, doesn't say this. It you eat you it doing does a pot- not matter to me whether you say it's the A theory of time, and so it happens linearly, uh, as opposed to B theory of time, it all happens because at the end of the day, it all happens. So the A theory is just yeah. maybe a slower way of constructing this time stream. But if yeah. you've got someone who can look across it and see what's going to happen, then that's the, that's indistinguishable from a slice of B theory. But he, he doesn't look across it because it doesn't exist in the first place. So, so like you, you just I don't think you understand what the B and A theory of time are totally. Um, but again, it doesn't matter. Yes, in terms of your, I, I assure theory, you, I understand what the A, the A and B theory of time are. Okay, so so maybe just the way you you said it in your haste. Yes, anyways, it, it could very it could very well be that I said it uh, sloppily, but but I assure sure. you, I know what the theories are. There's okay. even a, ser- a C theory that uh, is not worth going into right now, but um, there there are lots of theories of time. Um, what what is this? I don't theory? I don't think that I. Let's not do it. But here's the thing. I don't think I can. Yeah, yeah I, can, I can probably provide you a link. Um, okay. So I don't think it, I don't I don't think, though, that it helps the God theory. I think the the best theory of time for the mainstream Christian God is the, is the B theory. And yes, you have to give up a few things. But and you'll come a lot closer to Calvinism with the B theory. But I think that's the most coherent 
um, way to go if you're if you're trying to come up with you know sensible theories of how God operates in time. Okay. Okay. So yeah. So we'll get into that when we go through the time show um, in in great detail. But your main point is about God's providence, and yeah, once God creates, this is why God has His sovereignty, and He He will accomplish His will regardless. Uh, the end. God has His end goal. Uh, once He creates, He gains free knowledge, and He knows exactly what will happen, including what each of us will freely choose to do given those specific circumstances and that we're privy to. But the the thing that becomes problematic for us being free or not is the fact that, oh, well, am I determined by these extrinsic or external circumstances or am I uh, going sovereignly decreed to do this action by my own internal free will? And that's the aspect that's important. So compatibilists will say, will agree with me, and like Val, he'll agree with me and say, well, as, as long as there's no extrinsic or external determining causes, like, you know, the, the fact that God created a world where there's a, a blue pen in my hand doesn't cause me to do something, but my, it doesn't cause me to say hello, um, uh, to choose to do that. But there are internal factors. So for Val, those internal factors would be my beliefs, my desires, my uh, thoughts or something like that, um, and these determine me to say hello because I've got a blue pen in my hand or something like that. Um, I say I say no. That that's still determinism. That's still bad. The only internal state that that choice is is my free will as a free will agent, and I'm a prime mover. I've got a blue pen in my hand. That caused me to say hello, and I I chose that that um, causes me to make a free will choice, and it's the free will internal component that that causes that action right but and none of us are completely free and so that's that's, that's the true thing. and i i think that um i would i would have to say uh, we're not i i think i to be perfectly consistent i think i have to say we're not at all com uh, free but at the very least uh, to to speak as a compatibilist like uh, a daniel dennett we're certainly not completely free um, and so, you know, just just to provide an example, uh, if you find yourself in a burning building uh, that that you did not set a light, um, your free will doesn't matter. Uh, what you are going to do is try to get out. You're, you're going to try to get out. Uh, I don't know the various ways you're going to try to get out. That really depends on where the fire is, what obstacles there are in the room. There are certain there are certain avenues that are cut off to you. So, for instance, you're not going to try to get out by walking through walls. Um, that's that option's not there for you. Uh, you may not try to get out by going through the front door because there there may be a blaze on the other side of the front door. So you're you're not completely free. In what you're going to do from moment to moment, that fire was external to you, and that forces a set of choices. Uh, and you know, with each choice you make, there's a limited number of choices you have uh, in front of you. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, your your route that you take to get out of a, a fire, you can say you've got free will, but you don't completely have free will. 
Yeah, and that, that's entirely correct. There are. Th- this is where God's sovereignty of the Molinism aspect comes in, right? Because God creates those external circumstances, and those provide influences on our free will. Yeah, that is, and that is the thing that I would say um, that I think most skeptics would say is reprehensible about the God character, because you can say, well, He leaves us with free will, but He also puts us in burning buildings where we where okay. we only have one route to get out. Okay, so I've only got four minutes to to do this. Then, if if well, my clock's fast, but uh, so yeah. Okay, so yeah, because interest, we're experiencing time differently, uh, but we're not talking well, about like, time. Never mind. Okay, so I got to say this. So influences do not determine our free will choices. They only influence our free choices. So it's not a problem. I don't care. Further, David's also right that we our free will is constrained. I don't I don't make a free will choice for my heart to beat. It just it's determined to do that through natural law. I, I don't make a free will choice. Actually, I, I can make a free will choice to breathe or not, but um, I can choose to hold my breath. But automat- normally, when I'm just not thinking about it, I'm just breathing. It's a determined action. I, I'm not choosing to breathe. So there are constraints and there are external influences. And it's the external influences that uh, and the constraints that is God's part in his sovereignty. He chooses to create a world in which those influences are present. And he knows in advance that given those influences, I will freely choose to say yes or say no or to do this or to do that. Um, and I'm totally fine with that. I have no problem with God, quote unquote, pre-destining, uh, pre-destining uh, the the universe for a certain end. That's great. That's the I affirm that the Bible says that. That's that's where the Calvinists come in, and that's where I believe in God's a strong notion of God's sovereignty. But at the same time, I don't deny libertarian free will, and that's what makes God off the hook for my sins, and I'm responsible for that because I chose, regardless of the influences or whatever. I'm responsible to not sin. And if I choose to sin, uh, regardless of how much pressure I'm on, I'm I'm bankrupt, I, I'm starving to death or something like that. Actually, stealing is not a, a good thing because the Bible allows stealing when you're starving. Did you know that? Um, in the Old Testament, for example. No. <laughs> in the Old Testament, you, you can you're allowed to take uh, for for sustenance purposes you can take from people's land to eat and that's okay, not that's not stealing that was a uh, that was written into the gleaning uh, laws so you might want to go back and start that chapter again um, there's there's a yes there is a provision for gleaning is a little bit like welfare uh, that it is not stealing uh, stealing would be uh, if you were to go further into those fields and take some of the uh, crops that were not uh, specifically Def- set for cleaning. That's semantics again. Uh, fair enough. But I, I'm saying, the okay, so lying. Is I have read that Bible absolutely. a few times. <laughs> Great. So, so lying. I, I can experience extreme pressure to, to lie, to save my own uh, butt in a certain circumstance or something like that. Um, but it's it. I choose to do that or not. It's the influences don't determine that choice. So I'm free to say no. I, whatever well, happens, God is I'm shoving you in a bunch of uh, untenable uh, circumstances and influencing you to do the wrong thing. Let's call it temptation toward evil. Uh, and he knows what your proclivities and weaknesses are. Uh, but he says, "Well, I didn't make you do it." Well, that's bullshit. Or excuse me, that's uh, that's BSC. 
is what that is. That's batshit crazy. Come on. Because we're we're never tempted beyond our ability to to say no. Um, The Bible also says that, right? So in terms of God's temptation, again, that's God applying external influences, however strong they may be. They're always uh, not beyond our control um, to to say yes or no. Maybe worth talking about. Look, let me just make my uh, closing point. I don't actually care who gets the last word on this one. So uh, here, the only thing that I would say, I would just skip to the end of my own write-up here, uh, and say um, Laplace. I'm done. Mm. Okay. Okay. Did you did <laughs> uh, you need did you need that word. unpacked more? Uh, so I'm assuming I know the quote that you're you're yes. going for, but yes. So uh, we simply, it, despite everything that you have written in your post, at least the parts that I could understand, I will admit to getting lost. Uh, in your post uh, maybe it'll get unpacked during the comments but uh, I would say uh, there is still no need for the God hypothesis so we, we still have everything we need for a perfectly um, material, perfectly secular uh, point of view of the origins A, we don't need a point of view of origins we can say I don't know I don't know is good people, it's fine uh, it works uh, you don't have to rush it it might take another 100, 200, 500 years uh, to come up with a good um, explanation. You won't be a- around for that. That's okay. Uh, don't let your existential angst force you to rush into an explanation that that's just not true. I don't know it's fine, but even uh, if you want to take one of the existing explanations, we have no need for the God hypothesis. Uh, there and you can grab a God hypothesis you can even say it's coherent I don't think it is Um, but uh, it's just not necessary so we don't have to go there and I don't have to really rigorously um, fight this particular battle more than I've done already so I'm, I'm perfectly happy to leave it there Awesome. All right. So, so yeah, thank you guys for listening. Uh, it's a short show. Next week's going to be a very long one, and it's it's something that both David and I think is, uh, if not the most, it's probably, it's definitely one of the most important topics that we will address uh, yep. in the entire series. You will not get show. any apathy from me next week, I promise. Uh, I This has always been one of the key issues for me, one of the most fun issues for me on either side of the uh, Christian aisle. Uh, I think one of the most consequential uh, issues, people can gain or lose faith uh, over next week's topic. It's it's worldview shifting stuff, and it's the kind of stuff that matters to me. And I can also say, regardless of what Dale brings you, I don't know what he's going to bring you because he's not going to necessarily respond to me. I'm not going to be uh, concerned with the uh, highbrow um, ivory tower kind of theology on this. And I, I'm a kind of a theology wonk, but, and I will have a theology piece, but this is actually boots on the ground, what real people think and how they live their lives. Um, and so it's going to be fun. We're going to have some guests. Um, I haven't even lined up all of the guests, but we're going to have some guests. There will be no more than, let me just finish this, there will be no more than three people on the mic at the same time. Uh, so we will have guests coming in and out uh, of the podcast. It'll be full featured. Uh, the blogs will be long. Sit back, enjoy. It's going to be fantastic. 
do you know who who are the guests first of all all right am i is it a mystery or well it's a mystery only in that i don't have contracts signed in blood yet and uh, at least one of the guests i haven't asked yet <laughs> but, okay but and but i but i think they will say yes so <laughs> and what what's the topic i don't think we mentioned what the topic's going to be oh uh Huh. Well, it's going to be miracles. Uh, it's going to be the, uh, but it won't be like the miracle discussion we had a couple of weeks ago. You can think of that as the precursor. I don't actually plan to cover any of that ground. Um, Same here. Yeah. So, um, in, in fact, I'm going to be, I'm going to be arguing that that entire ground was totally meaningless uh, and irrelevant to the to the issue of miracles. Um, well, it, that's not true. Not not meaningless and that sort of thing, but. Uh, this making this distinction between supernatural versus natural, uh, you guys are you guys are off base. So I, I think I'm going to be providing um, something that's that's unique. In in the words of uh, this is my plan for next week. In the words of, I I just lost you. Okay, so I don't know if I'm you didn't hear. Oh, you didn't hear that? No, it just went out. <laughs> Son of a gun. Okay, well, I, I had... Uh, Were you I trying to be cute? I was. I, I had the video set up to the moment of Gladiator where he's like, I, I will win the crowd. I will, I will give the people something they've never seen before. Okay, well, I think that you nailed it. Uh, although I don't know why uh, Darth Vader is in Gladiator all of a sudden, but... <laughs> <laughs> that was my Russell Crowe. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, Since that's Russell Crowe playing Darth Vader, <laughs> playing Gladiator. <laughs> I set up the video perfect to the perfect moment, exact moment where he set where he says that all in preparation for that joke, and it doesn't work. It's... Oh no, I think it was better. Um, okay. So, so the topic of uh, my blog, I had to look, I had to pull up the word files. Uh, miracles. The most overpromised and underdelivered, underdelivered Christian claim. I think you're going to be to be impressed with what I come up with. It'll I, it'll definitely be something you've never encountered before. So, and I think you'll be impressed with what I come up with. Well, oh. I've already seen it. <laughs> yeah. Unless you got new stuff. No, <laughs> you've seen the write up. I promise. I don't plan to do any more writing. That's enough. Um, and even then. Um, it should challenge you enough. You can, you can. If I were you, I would take the strategy of simply ignoring everything that I wrote and making your own case. Yeah. So, yeah. that's that's, that's your only strategy. Only thing is, that's not really going to work on the show. Um, this is this is going to be uh, one of those shows. What did what did Tyler uh, want to rename the show? Uh, D. Uh, Forgot something on the spectrum. No, it was. Uh, Dale. Oh, uh, David Pummel's David, Dale. Yeah, DP. Yeah. <laughs> It'll be another episode of DPDA. Uh, look, it's. It, uh, and I'm prepared for that. I'm yeah. actually going to treat this topic respectfully. This is this is not just going to be uh, you know a simple polemic fest uh, from me, uh, because I do yeah. take this. This is actually one of the few uh, quote unquote Christian topics that I take seriously. Uh, yeah. So I plan to take it seriously. Yeah, and, and this is something out of every top. This is the topic I've spent the most time uh, researching. This is the product of about a decade of my research. I have a unique, what I believe is a unique contribution in terms of how we identify 
um, miracles. Um, so, yeah, I hope it'll, I, I think it'll come together and hopefully I've covered all the bases, uh, you know, condensing 10 years of, of research uh, off and on down into a single blog or a single day hour four hour conversation is is a bit much but i think, think of, i think of this show as your christmas present uh people audience so we're not gonna have a we're, we and just just so the audience knows so i'm i'm gonna on. try to when i get my thing finished i'm gonna do a solo show because in what david's got planned it's gonna be more of a grill christian thing and i'm not gonna have enough time to to lay out my case properly actually in uh, one of the segments uh i might actually mute your mic uh so it won't all be Grilla Christian. Uh, I'll be I'll be looking at a, a lot of different um, aspects of it uh, because there's there's one person that I plan to bring on an interview that it wouldn't be a back and forth between you and them. Okay. Okay. Uh, yeah. It's it's your sh- your your show. Your whatever you want to do. I'm I'm there for you. It's going to it's going to be long. Anything. You don't worry. You'll you'll have your say. You're not going to be. It's not going to like. Oh, well, he muted my mic. I, I didn't get to make my point. You're going to have four hours to make your point. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah. But, but I, I mean, in terms of my opening case, I I, I want to give it as a solo show because it it'll probably be like an hour or something like that. So rather than waste time from what you've got planned. Uh, I'll, I'll give that for people to consider, and, and then we can uh, get straight into whatever you want to do. And I'm I'm ready, up and up for the challenge. Yeah. Uh, the other thing about this show, uh, folks, since it's going to be long and uh, technical babble, blah blah blah, th- it's going to be split up into two parts. Uh, so I will land both parts on the blog, but just uh, we've had to do this before. Uh, there will be a part one and a part two uh, that you'll have to listen to separately. Uh, I have to do that for these super long shows, and this is just going to be one of them. So, uh, okay. with with that in mind, uh, the e- the ebook link uh, will be in the show notes. Uh, if it's not in the show notes right now, which I know it's not, uh, I'll have Dale edit that link uh, in the show notes in the, in our uh, current blog, so that you can download the ebook when Dale finishes his. I will be glad to ebookalate it. Uh, and put a link for that too. Uh, and if you missed the links that I'm talking about, and it's not in the show notes, you can just uh, you can just ask me for it, and I'll make sure that you get it. And I want to say thank you to all of the people who have already downloaded and began reading that. Um, I know exactly how many uh, of you there are. Uh, that is very gratifying. Thank you very much, and uh, we will see you next week. Miracles. All right. All right. Have a good week, everyone.